Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of My Nation, the podcast. My name is Salma Sat. I'm the Chief Growth Officer of My Nation, a mental health and well-being company. Thank you for listening today as we talk about recharging your energy for peak performance. But before we do that, I'd like you to think about how you are feeling right now. Are you energized or are you drained? Are you sad or are you happy? Because today in this episode, we're going to learn how to boost your productivity by managing your energy more effectively. By doing three things, we're going to learn about the downfalls of trying to do something every spare moment. We're going to also identify what needs to be optimized throughout the day to ensure we recharge and have peak performance. And finally, we're going to learn how to train our brain to embrace good habits and stop the harmful ones. Have you ever been somewhere physically, but not been there mentally or emotionally? I know I have. And actually, we have about 60 to 80,000 thoughts every single day. In fact, it's estimated that we spend about 40% of our time thinking about the past and about 50% of our time thinking about the future which doesn't really leave us here in the present moment very often. Many people feel hijacked by their brains. So working on brain health and fitness is what I'm going to talk about today. Have you ever noticed that we're all in such a rush these days, even in the middle of this pandemic? So when someone gives you their full energy and attention, it feels kind of unexpected, but really wonderful. Getting this type of energy boost can make all the difference and it's called a neural nudge. It literally lights up the brain and primes you to do your best work, which means we can actually get more done in less time without all the stress related wear and tear. Now I understand at first many of you might feel it's a waste of time considering everything that you have to get done, but this energy is our capacity to do work. And how we spend our time shows us where we prioritize our energy. How? You can do this with three simple things. First, start any and all meeting or conversation with a sincere exchange of energy, like sharing what you feel grateful for or telling a funny story. Another practice is to be totally present in the conversation and avoid multitasking. Turn off that phone and make direct eye contact with whoever you're speaking with. And finally, and this is a bit more difficult, but so important, take time to think and reflect. This allows you to respond to challenges rather than just react. We're much better off being in a proactive mode than in a reactive mode. What I'm essentially suggesting is that when we prioritize energy first, we use our time more wisely and feel healthier and happier. So becoming more aware of our energy throughout the day will help us identify what needs adjusting in order to recharge most effectively. So let's start by talking about the five different types of energy and how they're all connected. First, our physical energy, which gives us the quantity of energy we have in each moment. And we get this from nutrients in our food and the oxygen that we breathe. Then our emotional energy is the quality of the energy we have and whether we're focused on positive things like opportunities and we see the glass half full 
or we're focused on more negative things and we see that glass half empty. The third type of energy is our mental energy, which provides us with our focus and our ability to direct our attention towards the things that we choose. Then our spiritual energy comes from our values and our beliefs, which are unique to us. It's what drives us in the direction of the people and the things that matter most to us. And finally, our social energy is the connection we feel with other people. Our brains and bodies thrive when we feel safe and connected. And I know that many of us are struggling with this during the pandemic. Now let's think about how interconnected these energy systems are. Like when you go too long without eating, for example, it does more than just deplete your physical energy. If you're like most people, you may start to feel irritable or have a shorter temper. My husband likes to joke that I get hangry. So when that happens, I'm not able to focus well or think because my emotions are simply distracting my attention. This is proof that the mind-body connection is so real. Now that we've talked about the five different types of energy, our physical energy, our emotional energy, our mental energy, our spiritual energy, and our social energy, I'd like you all to do a quick exercise for yourselves. I would like you to give yourself a score from zero to 20 in each type of energy. Zero meaning I am completely drained, I have no energy whatsoever, and 20 being you're full of energy, you're bursting with energy. And then I want you to add those numbers up and give yourself a score out of 100. We do this because it helps us understand the percent energy that you are charged. So if you're not as energized as you'd like to be, I'd like you to do something right after listening to this podcast that will help you recharge in one of those energy areas. You can do a quick meditation or watch a funny video. You can even think about someone you feel grateful for. It doesn't have to take much time, but you will see a benefit when you focus on the energy domain where you need it most. Now I'd like you to think about your own day. Are you the type of person that invests energy, but then invests it back in themselves to recharge? Or are you like many of us are, the type that is go, go, go? And if you're the type that's a go, go, go person, do you feel surprised when you can't unwind at night? I call that an energy flatline. <laughs> I know that may sound a bit extreme, but that's actually my point. Everything that has life has some sort of rhythm or pattern, including the human system. You want your energy to ebb and flow throughout the day in a rhythm or a pattern, because if you don't follow the natural progression of stress and recovery, you're essentially hijacking your own system and wearing yourself too thin. So in the same way that you keep an eye on your finances to make sure you don't go bankrupt, it's important to pay attention to how you spend and invest your energy so you don't end up running out. It's funny to me to think about how we all panic when our cell phone battery starts to weaken, but how we seldom notice when our own brain power starts to fade away. So now I'd like you to map out what your actual day looks like. Take out a piece of paper and draw a line across it. This is going to reflect what your day looks like today, starting in the morning. Capture what time you typically wake up and what you do within the first 60 minutes of getting out of bed. 
Now let's look at the other end of that line, which is the evening side. Write down what time you sleep and what you did for an hour prior to really unwind. Then I'd like you to look at the patterns in between waking up and going to bed. First, when and how do you eat? Write a letter N for nutrition on your timeline. You typically eat your meals, but even your snacks. Then write the letter M for movement when you typically get up and move. And not just that quick workout. How often do you move throughout the day? And finally, put the letter R on the timeline for the times during the day when you take recharge breaks to shift gears and recharge your own energy. If you're making these notes on your timeline, connect them together with waves or lines up and down. And you should start to see an oscillation pattern. When I did this exercise before I changed my habits, I saw that by lunchtime, I had a painful energy flatline. I would just start the day, go, I wouldn't take breaks, I wouldn't have snacks, and I wouldn't get up and move. Because remember, wave-like patterns of up and down are energizing and flatlines are depleting. So if you see that you're not recharging enough, what I will share with you now is critical. A great way to better navigate your energy is to follow what I call a high five. These are the five times during the day when it's most important for you to recharge your brain and your body for peak performance. So let's start with the morning where we need to prime our brains to perform. Many of us feel different ways in the morning. Some of us feel inspired, motivated or excited. Others feel fatigued, overwhelmed or exhausted and the day hasn't even begun. Usually, we are jolted awake by an alarm that stresses us. And our brain's job now is to decide if we need to stay in this high stress alert mode or if you can shift into a more calm, focused and productive mode, which means what you do right after you wake up is a critical step in setting up your day for better or for worse. Now it's so important to hold off on checking your email, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, or any media for that matter right when you wake up. Although it's so tempting to check it right away, you have to make it wait so that you can fuel your brain with something positive inspiring or energizing first. You can start doing this, starting your day mindfully. Don't rush through your coffee or your smoothie. It's not a to-do list item to check off the list. Enjoy it. Try into a guided meditation or even read a few pages of an inspirational book. Alternatively, you could listen to a short podcast or blast a few songs that will give you the energy you need for the day. You could go for a walk if you can do that safely or do some gentle yoga. You will find that once you get started and you feel that energy starting to flow, you end up doing more than you expected and actually enjoy it. You may even want to add a little humor to the morning by looking for something funny to watch or sharing a funny story with a friend or a family member. So I'd like you to take a few moments now and think about two or three ideas that you will try for your morning routine tomorrow. Whatever works for you. Is it some gentle yoga? Is it listening to a podcast? Whatever you feel will give you that boost of energy in the morning, note it down. So now we've talked about the morning and priming our brain to perform for the day. Let's talk about nighttime and priming our brain to sleep. Because how you sleep sets you up for success or for stress the next day. 
unfortunately most of us do not get good enough quality sleep so we wake up stressed and never really recharge which leaves us feeling tired and wired and unable to rest at night and the cycle just continues the good news is you can break that cycle by shifting your patterns some good habits to embrace come up with a resting place for your digital device it's way too tempting to check your phone when it's right by your bed so what i've done is i plug it into charge overnight all the way across the room so i'm not tempted to check it if you're the type of person that sleeps with the tv on make sure to sh- choose shows that are relaxing or even boring your brain isn't trying to pay attention also set a timer for the tv to turn off Many of us fall asleep with the TV on and although you're asleep the light and the noise compromises the quality of the sleep you're getting. You can also listen to an audiobook or like I do read a few pages of a book every night. Most people who read before bed only actually read a few pages before their eyes start to get tired and their brain starts to recognize this consistent thing they do when they're ready to fall asleep. It's also important to have an environment that's conducive to good sleep. So create a quiet and comfortable space to sleep in. Studies show that a cool temperature of about 68 Fahrenheit is best for the body to rest. And you should also minimize light and sound. What I'm basically trying to say is so important to prioritize sleep because when your brain does its housekeeping duties at night, it restores hormone balance, decreases inflammation, and basically heals the wear and tear of normal life. So I'd like you now to choose one consistent unwind strategy that you're going to implement each night, which will help to prime your brain to get the most return for your sleep investment each night. So now that we've bookended our day with the right habits, it's important to think about how we recharge throughout the day to keep our energy levels up. One of the primary ways we do this is with nutrition. And studies show that all diets work but none of them really work long term unless they're realistic, practical and enjoyable. I'm sure many of you have seen all these crash diets that are all over social media. But these might give you results in the short term but they definitely are not sustainable in the long term. If you really want to fine tune your habits, I suggest you work with a nutritionist who can customize a plan just for you. But if not, what is universal to each and every one of us is how we should eat. which is where mindful eating comes in. Mindful eating just means that when you're consuming food, you're paying attention to the experience of eating and to what your body tells you about how hungry you are before, during, and after your meal. Make sure to eat slowly and stop before you think you're full. I don't know about you, but I've experienced one too many food comas in my life where I've eaten a lot really quickly and then I've just kind of sat on the couch and been unable to move, which is ironic because nutrition is supposed to give you that boost of energy. And with Thanksgiving recently, I'm sure many of you have experienced that as well. On the flip side, you want to make sure that you're eating often enough to maintain consistent energy levels which is especially critical during the week when we're going from meeting and phone call to meeting going too long between meals will cause your energy to tank and reduce your immunity which we're all trying to boost at the moment so now we've talked about fueling wisely with nutrition let's talk about movement 
Fitness professionals often call sitting the new smoking because research has shown that sitting for long periods of time can be just as hazardous to your health. And importantly, that is even the case for people who exercise because our bodies need consistent movements for the circulation of energy to keep moving. And if we're dealing with more stress, it means we need to meet, move even more often. And I know that seems counterintuitive because if you have more stress, you don't really have the time to get up and move. But our natural energy patterns give us about an hour to an hour and a half of focused attention, depending on how much stress we're dealing with at the time. So I suggest you try to get up and move for at least 10 minutes every hour using a 50 minute on 10 minute off work cycle. And if you feel more tired or more stressed, you may want to shift to 25 minutes on and five minutes off, whatever works for you. So now we've talked about starting our day mindfully, unwinding at night, fueling ourselves with nutrition and moving often. Let's talk about breaks. Because with so much to do and so little time, it's easy to convince ourselves that we'll rest later or we'll take that vacation later or we'll take care of ourselves later. But the reality is that we don't change much until something breaks or breaks down. We tend to brush stress under the rug or carry it on our backs where it weighs us down and destroys our energy and our performance. And because it's contagious, that stress mess starts spilling out to negatively impact everyone around us. But the good news is that our positive energy is contagious too. So when we commit to recharging ourselves and shift into a more positive state, we naturally recharge and energize those around us. Which is why I say that self-care is not selfish. I'll say it again. Self-care is not selfish. So as you think about your day, when do you take the time to take care of yourself? And what types of things do you enjoy doing that you could build into your routine? Like listening to music, using aromatherapy, doing a gratitude exercise, even thinking about someone you care about or watching a funny video. Take a few minutes to think about a couple of ways you could recharge your energy throughout the day. Make sure your plans are realistic and keep them short and simple. Then think about someone you could ask to join you, either in person if it's safe or virtually, to help you stick with your commitment. Because studies have shown that if we have someone working with us, we're less likely to push the commitment aside. So now that we've talked about the high five method, there are three principles that really govern this approach. Rest, relax, and repair. So now that we've talked about the importance of rest, relax, and repair, I want you to revisit the timeline and capture how you're gonna change what your day looks like, how you're gonna start your morning mindfully, how you're gonna wind down in the evening, and how to boost your energy throughout the day. You'll see a massive difference between what your day looks like today and what your day will look like tomorrow, implementing these good habits. No more energy flat lines. So now we've talked about how we can change our daily patterns to boost our energy. And the environment we're in is also critically important because about 95 to 99% of your brain power is actually focused on unconscious cues in your environment. For example, we all know that typical sounds like traffic or construction 
are not really a sign of danger, but the brain still has to work to filter these sounds and make judgments about them, which can actually be pretty exhausting. At the same time, hearing sounds of nature, like waves crashing or birds chirping, doesn't mean you're actually near the ocean or surrounded by a lush forest, which I know we'd all like to be at the moment. But these natural rhythmic sounds have been shown to help people feel more relaxed. So it may be worth thinking about how you can add more natural patterns to your environments and minimize those that are disruptive, like swapping out harsh lighting for more natural light whenever possible, or using a sound machine to tune out chaotic noises. Even changing the type of artwork or the color of the paint in a room can help to relax the brain and the body. Studies have shown that people feel more calm when they're surrounded by nature, whether it's actual plants that my house are filled with, or even just pictures of nature on the walls can do the trick. Finally, having photos of your family and friends around gives you something positive to focus on. I always have a photo of the day my daughter was born. It's a photo of my daughter and I and our parents and my husband. And every time I'm feeling really stressed or overwhelmed, I look at that photo and it gives me a sense of calm and a boost of energy that I need. So we've talked about our daily routine, our environment. Now let's talk about our connections. Social support helps us stick with our commitments, which we talked about when talking about breaks in the high five method. But it's also a critical part of building energy capacity in and of itself. I don't need to tell you that. I know so many of us are feeling the lack of social connection in the middle of this pandemic. We're basically forced to be more creative with how we connect. But when we do reach out to others for support, the brain produces a helpful chemical called oxytocin that actually makes the brain and body much more resilient to stress. You can help bring your attention to the present moment by turning your computer off and fighting the urge to open it. Try listening mindfully to a song once you shut your laptop and end your workday to shift your energy. These little shifts help to prime your brain to be able to show up fully in the moments that matter most to you, like meeting up safely with a friend or having a video chat. In addition to recharging our own battery, there are simple things that we can all do at work and at home to help energize those around us. One of the most impactful ways to do this is to create rules and boundaries around our time and really integrate energy management with time management. What I'm saying here is we need to move away from multitasking and embrace meaning making. When we stop trying to do so many things at once, we manage our energy much more effectively. This allows the primal, more sensitive parts of the brain to stay calm, flexible, and adaptable to change. Meaning-making opportunities can be simple things, like asking someone to share something they feel grateful for, or something funny that happened to them today. Or they, they can be bigger and more impactful things, like helping people in your organization to connect their personal mission and values with those of the organization. And I know this sounds like more work, but if you do that now, it will pay off down the line. So just like we train our physical muscles in the gym or with our yoga classes, we can also exercise our brain so that it will help us manage our energy much more effectively. I like to think about this as being brain fitness. So how do we practice brain fitness? First, 
if anything is going to create a significant change, it has to be challenging enough to cause the brain to need to adapt, but not too challenging that it creates stress. Let me give you an analogy that's more physical. If we are in the gym and we want to build our strength and power, we're not going to stay at the same weight level because then we won't build that strength. But we also won't go to the heaviest weight in the gym because we will injure ourselves. The second thing we have to do is if anything is going to create change that lasts, we need to make sure that we repeat the new habit consistently enough for adaptations to start to add up. Repeat, repeat, repeat. A good rule of thumb is the power of two days for creating good habits. This is essentially telling us that we shouldn't miss two consecutive days of completing a new positive habit. So you can miss one day because let's be honest, life gets in the way and all our plans need to be realistic. But fight the urge to miss a second day so you don't fall back into your old habit. So push yourself, not too much, and use the two-day rule to help build your habits. The third thing you need to do is be in control of your brain. What do I mean by that? Your brain is going to tell you, you don't have enough time to get up and move. You don't have time for this break. You have too many things to do. Our brains are naysayers. So you have to interrupt that negative thought pattern. What I say is brain boss. And that interrupts the negative thought pattern so that I'm able to focus on what I actually wanted to do. The fourth thing to do is, just like we go to a professional in the gym, a personal trainer or a yoga coach online or even at the gym as well, we can also do the same thing for our mental health and our well-being. And that's talking to a psychologist if you're suffering with trauma or speaking to a wellness coach if you simply want to get unstuck and help yourself tackle some goals. And finally, don't be hard on yourself. I know there was a lot to take in on this episode today. So just start small. And you know what? I'm going to help you do that. I'd like to invite you to take action with a short seven-day recharge sprint. This will help you feel better fast. So please consider three things. First, what is the one small recharge strategy you could add to your daily routine that would help you out the most? Is it a morning routine or an evening ritual? Is it related to how you eat, how you move, or how you take breaks? Then, think about what you could say to yourself in the moments when your brain tries to convince you you don't really have time now. Because as I mentioned, that will happen. I say brain boss. What's your equivalent of brain boss? And finally, think about who you could ask to support you in this process, as you're much less likely to forget or let your commitment fade away. Now let's make it official by putting it into your calendar right now. And I know your calendars are full, but this is important. Make specific appointments for what you're going to do and when. And as you plan this sprint, I'm just reminding you to please, please make the plan practical, realistic, and enjoyable. Ensure you actually put it into practice. Now I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening today. And I just... You know, I'm sure you can tell that I feel pretty passionately about creating a recharge movement so we, we can create a positive ripple effect. So I hope you're all going to join me on this recharge movement. Thank you. Hey, what's on your mind? The changes and uncertainties are putting a strain on us. 
whether you're feeling fear, overwhelmed, nervous, or maybe even curious, stoic, or hopeful, all of these emotions, everything that's on our minds, is fundamentally linked to our overall well-being or simply our capacity to be human. How healthy are you to move? How motivated are you to show up? How inspired are you to be better for yourself and for others? How resilient are you to face what comes next? Our ability to understand what we're going through is important to be the best we can be. But we know that sometimes it's easier said than done. My nation is with you on your goal for a happier, healthier, and more resilient you. Mental health care doesn't have to be boring, complicated, difficult, stressful, or impossible. Mental health care can be engaging, inspiring, customized, and happy. It's time we talked about being there for those that matter to us. Our organization, our team, our families, ourselves. It's time we talked about mental health. Welcome to the Mind Nation podcast. Better mind, better you. Thank you.